Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Megan Doherty and myself are back for another season of Picard. In this series, it's Picard Season 3, which will be the final season of this great television series. In this series, we will go through each episode, detailing the synopsis, taking a look at some of our favorite scenes and discussing general themes and looking at key Easter eggs. I know you'll enjoy because that's what heroes do, Picard season three. Episode seven, Dominion. The episode begins with the Enterprise hiding in a giant battle space as Seven tries to contact her former crewmate, Tuvok. The respondent passes Seven's first true test, but fails her second, revealing himself to be a changeling and revealing the real Tuvok's fate. While Worf and Raffi are out on another intelligence mission, Picard, Geordi, and Beverly discuss the changeling's interest in Jack as well as the theft of Picard's original body. Picard surmises that the changelings want to create a perfect replica of himself to target Starfleet's frontier days. Geordi works against Lore's persona to restore Data's dominance of the android's mind. As Data and Lore's personalities vie for control, Data manages to reveal that Picard's original eromotic syndrome diagnosis is in doubt. Indeed, above the Shrike, Vatic informs her mysterious superior that she's unable to break Riker and Troy. Picard devises and then enacts a plan to trap Vedic and her crew on the Titan with force fields using Jack, who is developing intense telepathy, and Sydney as bait. Picard and Beverly interview, or rather interrogate, Vedic in the trap. When asked about her interest in Jack, Vedic cryptically states that he's for someone else, but he's not for Picard and Crusher. And then Vedic reveals that she was one of 10 changelings who was hideously tortured by Section 31 as they attempted to experiment to develop a breed of super spies of changelings. Upon these changelings' escape from Daystrom Station, she swore revenge and formed the rogue changeling faction, taking on her torturer's form. Crusher confirms the experiment's existence, and Picard realizes he has to kill Vedic, but Geordi fails to revive Data in time to stop Lore from taking over the Titan's computers, disabling the force fields, allowing Vedic and her underlings to escape. They storm the Titan bridge, take Seven, Shaw, and the rest of the bridge crew captive. First, something that you said right before we, we hit record on this one is that it's getting pretty heavy. This season is not shying away from the, the really big, really difficult topics. The sense of not being able to know who everyone is and the relationships that people have with each other and who can be trusted, who can't, what do people know about each other, it's all really, I think, coming together quite interestingly. When I was first watching this episode and the next one, I thought that was the end of the series, so I thought we were much closer to the finale than we, we were, so I was a little kind of surprised that they were adding so much more about the surprises, the confusion, what's actually happening. What were some of your big, big themes, takeaways from the episode? 
Certainly the difficulty you have in knowing whether someone's changeling was significant. Actually, though, for me, it was the whole backstory of Vedic and what the Federation had done. We've gotten hints of that before, but she made it clear. But what I didn't realize until I rewatched this was she was not a product of the post-war genocide and remedy or but she was actually in Daystrom Station during the war where Section 31 is has been, will be, and probably in the future will be evil groups of all time ever was running or overseeing horrific tests on changelings. And we get a hint of that from her physical face today, which is scarred, but the even she said the pain level was of an intolerable nature. And Section 31 was trying to genetic genetically engineer or alter changelings so that they could number one control them but they could number two and then insert them into other enemies as spies and I thought that whole scene where she explained it was just literally horrific Oh, it was chilling. Way to take a character. We've been enjoying Vedic for this entire series as a cartoonishly evil bad guy antagonist who has been revealed to have an extremely just cause for this rage. It was wild to see. And the, the reaction, like the explanation she gave, so calm, so steadied, so measured, everything she was saying was quite reasonable. And really, she brought it up and at Laura brought it up with that as well. These people who are calling themselves the good guys are really not on a great sign. Looking back, medical experiments on prisoners, not a great look, historically speaking. And just <laughs> the plans of... Right? And yeah, the point that kind of came home to me the most is she and her species were engaging in warfare, standard warfare, not pretty, not nice, but basic rules of engagement. Biological warfare and medical experiments on sentient beings crossing a very real line, I think. So it was uh, really interesting to see the heroes doing that, the good guys. And that was uh, ties into some Easter eggs that we might talk about later, but mm. it was Dr. Bashir who developed the cure and it was Odo who delivered it. Mm. So that was a really nice tie in. I had forgotten the Dr. Bashir connection Odo and what he did to save his people. But yeah, the Federation looked very bad. I'm beginning to wonder if what they did to the board was that, if you both have talked about at the end of episode two of The Best of Both Worlds, they put the drones to sleep, and they're able to attack the cube and make it leave. And then in Picard season one, you see few remaining boards, you being one of the prime examples, who are now mercilessly hunted or their body parts. And so I'm beginning to see the Federation in a very different light. Certainly we saw that in Deep Space Nine, maybe a little bit in Voyager, maybe not so much, but certainly in Deep Space Nine and Section 31, it's just, a, and I guess we saw that in Strange New Worlds, first season section of some pretty bad guys and I wondered, once again, on my rewatching, not the first watching, is Picard beginning to 
be influenced by these events in a way that might have him <clears throat> rethink this is my family and this, these are the people I love. Is the, inter, is the Federation family different from when we were in PNG? I, I think it must be. I think it has to be. In order to continue holding Picard in the esteem I currently do, it would have to be the case. I think the family has got to be composed of individuals. That it's the people that he's regathering around together throughout the season. It's Riker, it's Troy, it's Crusher, it's Data, Jordy. I think that those are the people that are really family to Picard. The this is the Federation, the Starfleet's just the house that they lived in. And yeah, cracks in the foundation. I think they're starting to become more and more clear, and I'm very much hoping that this leads to open rebellion. Which, I mean, they've done before. <laughs> Not their first rodeo. <laughs> Let me go back to with one of the points you started with, which was the changeling human conundrum slash question. Oh, or Vulcan uh, conundrum. Tuvok, way to break my heart, being compromised. <laughs> actually, I had a, a little bit different spin on that. Oh, tell me. Because... I started off just with the other joy of seeing Tuvok. I told my wife, oh, wow, it's Tuvok. That was my first note, Tuvok! And then, oh no. But then I really focused more on Seven. And I saw, I don't want to say love, but certainly a level of affection she had for Tuvok and an intimacy of relationship with him that allowed her to ask the question, which led to her uncovering he was a changeling. Yeah. And before that reveal, I just saw something in a relationship that I knew there was a relationship, but I really had no appreciation that she had deep feelings for him, not as a lover, not romantically, but in a different kind of love, except 16. Whatever that word for love is when, it's, when you're not in a physical relationship, it seemed to me she had that for Tuvok and she used that to help her make uncover that he was a changeling now let's sad to find out what happened to him but I saw something in Seven of Nine that I was not aware of and maybe she wasn't aware of during her Voyager days that mm -hmm. she has certainly become self-aware of now I think it kind of makes sense she, Tuvok would have been one of her first friends of that family she was a part of on Voyager. And I think that always really made a lot of sense to me, just in that I think a Vulcan would be a lot easier for a former Borg to connect with than an erratic, irrational human. So I always liked their friendship. We have the, the story now of Vedic, and as storyline, I began to sense not so much that maybe it is Picard slowing down, but the decisions here make he was making are not the best. And mm. it's making missteps. And I thought it was a misstep to allow them on the ship, but you know, of course it's Star Trek so often. But I don't know if it was arrogance, I don't know because he thought he could figure that out a way to win or he saw a weakness and exploit it. But I thought that was a little odd. And then the other thing that struck me as odd was that Vedic reported that she was not able to elicit the information she wanted from Troy and Riker. And I watched a lot of torture scenes on television. Now. And I have a sense that there are lots of different things you can do 
particularly when you have people who are very romantic get one of them to talk. And Vedic didn't do those things. And I don't know, I hate to say the basic humanity, but something didn't click in their torture slash interrogation. Now, we were the benefit of them, of us seeing them talk and filling in a huge backstory. What about all of that? The huge backstory, was that in this episode? I, I, I thought they didn't appear too much in this one other than the Tuvok changeling becoming Riker saying he was a dead man. I think that might be the next one, but I definitely agree with you on, on Vedic maybe didn't try too hard, maybe saw something of the great link in their relationship and didn't want to mess with it too much, but that doesn't really track with the character. So I'm not sure. What about some of the cookies in this episode that you may or may not? One thing I thought was just really interesting was the different battles that were happening all the time. So you had Jack against himself. You had Jordy for Data, and then Beverly and Picard against Vedic. I just thought it was really interesting, kind of all the parallel storylines uh, that were happening. Cookies, I think Three Blind Mice, the song counts a little bit, because that sort of nursery rhyme, it was the same, really similar to the Pop Goes the Weasel that we got a couple of episodes ago when Data was being rescued. So I thought that was a fun one. I talked about two of mine already. One was the Odo Sheer, shout out Deep Space Nine, and that series. Second was I really reappreciated the lore data content. Right? So good. Uh, and lore throws it back at Picard, particularly in terms of the uh, biological devastation rock unleashed by the Federation on the Dominion and where I think correctly calls out the Federation for doing that. But it really, I thought, set up a nice dichotomy. Once again, it's Star Trek, so after doing that, will win out in the end. But <laughs> I thought Laura was quite articulate and powerful. The two-box scene we both love. And just on, oh, I was going to say, just on that note of Laura being pretty right about the good guys not being so sure of their identity as good guys, that came directly on the heels of Beverly Crusher bringing back up the possibility of biological warfare. That was one scene right to the next. I thought that was a really good side-by-side. -side. And of course she was hedging it and saying, maybe if we did this, it would be biological, but she brought it up to the table again after everything. So I thought, yeah, Laura's point was particularly strong at that point. The other thing was the Geordi scene. Yes. Now, Data has died twice prior iterations. TNG and movies, etc. And Jordy has never got to say goodbye. And so he essentially gets to say goodbye, the goodbye he wanted to say, but never was able to, except he gets to say it to a live or sentient data. And I found that incredibly powerful. Probably more for I think many of us wish if we lost an older relative or a grandparent or someone who we were particularly close to, we never got to say that we wanted to, and to be able to do that, I think, is a great, or could be a great gift. Oh, yeah. I've always loved the relationship between the two of them. I wish it had been more. I think they would have made a great couple over the seasons of TNG, although I don't think the 90s were really ready for that, but it should have happened. But just the affection that they share, the the similarities, the things they have in common. It's such a beautiful friendship, and it came through so strongly in every scene with Jordy when he first saw Data. Just his eyes lighting up and his whole demeanor being welcoming and delighted. I, I love everything about the two of them. 
So the other thing that struck me, once again on rewatching, because I was probably too overwhelmed with the story the first time, was the continued evolution of Seven of Nine. Yes. And I thought back to when she first came on Voyager, I thought she was a strictly one-dimensional character. She probably had to establish some parameters as a character anyway. But this, this entire Picard series has been great been fabulous in this season and I thought it got even better because I saw her make critical decisions I saw her think through and evaluate options make them I saw her humanity if not 100% in charge large part in charge I guess she'll always be hard board I thought it was so interesting because right at first when Seven could have prevented the changelings from getting to the bridge, but instead she decided to save Shaw and the other bridge team members. That was such an interesting moment because she was just she knew that wasn't the Starfleet choice. That would not have been the protocol way of doing it. It was not the correct action. But she just couldn't do it. She couldn't be- trade lives like that. And I, you talk about character development, that's it right there because it was the irrational, illogical wrong thing to do and and then it, the i think the most emotionally wrenching part of this whole episode for me was when shaw was laying on the ground and just one single tear as the bridge is being captured yeah i can only imagine what kind of flashbacks or memories he was having to wolf 371 but uh, that that really hit me i remember thinking in that scene i'm gonna do some work stuff i know she's <laughs> gonna do so, so there's something's gonna pop up and she's gonna revert to borg and she's gonna do some borg thing and she didn't it turns out someone else did the Borg thing. Uh, yeah. It was a great episode. It really was almost a cliffhanger. I guess it was a cliffhanger that we'll pick up in the next episode. But some really poignant scenes. Got the, almost got the crew back together. So the full band will be together. But I can't wait to see what episode eight brings up. Yeah, me too. See you then. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning because that's what heroes do. I hope you'll join Megan and I again next week when we take up episode three. Also, if you could subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to it, we would greatly appreciate it. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning Because That's What Heroes Do. I hope you'll join Megan and I again next week when we take up episode three. Also, if you could subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to it, we would greatly appreciate it. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.